Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast Does Super League. I'll come up with a better name at some point, I promise, maybe by the end of the season. Uh, my name is Angus and I'm joined again by Chris Hermitage this week. Chris, how are you? All good, Angus. Um, I'm probably grateful that the last two weeks have been international break, just with the mental amount of work I've had going on. And that meant I didn't need to think about any fantasy team <laughs> on most days of the week, which was a blessing. So, um, but work has calmed down. I've got everything, got everything out I needed to touch wood. Um, so yeah, football, football is back. Fantasy is back. And uh, excited to dive into the plans we've got coming for the next few weeks because they're pretty big ones in Super League. Yeah, I think it's, you know, through a combination of uh, holidays, uh, specific plans and work and everything, it's it's really sort of combined to mean that we haven't done a Super League pod for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully this, this will help people sort of check back in. I think there was, you know, there was sort of a real crescendo around particularly game week six. And so I think, um, you know, people have sort of been been looking to how to navigate away from that. So hopefully we can we can help people continue to do so. Um, as you say, coming off the international break, a, a nice sort of point to check back in as well. Definitely. Um, so just to clarify for people, we don't have three key points, particularly because it's been the international break. Uh, we each have a couple of things we want to cover. Um, and then we will get into the the questions that people have asked, which obviously, you know, we assume that that's what people want to know about. Um, so without further ado, we'll uh, we'll get straight into it. So I've got the first point, um, which is just I've, I've picked out three teams uh, that have been a bit different to what the, the preseason sort of expectations would have been on them and just had a little bit of a look into them uh, just to either confirm that or see what's going on with them or give you some some context for that. Uh, so the first one of these is Atletico Madrid. And it's not that, you know, it's surprised that they are up the table. What is surprising is that Atletico Madrid are actually quite fun. The thing that you would never accuse Atletico <laughs> Madrid of being. Uh, so they, so far this season, are averaging 2.5 goals per match. Um, they are also, which is the top of the best in La Liga. They just to clarify that has not come at the expense of their defense. They can, they average, uh, one goal conceded per game, which is third in the league behind Real Madrid and bizarrely Las Palmas. Uh, <laughs> they've can scored 20 goals this season. Uh, for context, Barcelona have scored 21 and Real Madrid have scored 20. Uh, they have 14.9 XG, which is the fourth in the league, um, behind the other teams in the top four, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Girona. They are having five shots on target per game, uh, which is fourth in the league. And they have created 23 big chances so far this season, which is second in the league behind Barcelona. Um, they are doing this having about 48.5% so of possession. So they seem to, they're not quite averaging 50% possession, but they are doing a lot with the ball when they get it, um, yeah. which is, is quite exciting with them. Uh, 
just in terms of some particular player stats. Uh, Alvaro Morata is the joint second highest scorer in the league with five. Uh, Griezmann has four. Correa has three. And then you have Marcus Llorente, Memphis Depay, and Nahuel Molina, who have all chipped in with two goals. And then <laughs> Rodrigo Riquelme and Samuel Lino with one. Saul, uh, a lot of people will have last sort of actually watched, uh, really struggling for Chelsea. After having I was going to say, absolute Chelsea Madrid, legend, Saul uh, Niguez. <laughs> yeah, has five <laughs> assists this season. Um Rodrigo de Paul and Samuel Lino have two, and as Piliqueta, Correa, Coque, and Carrasco have one. Um, in terms of XG, you have over three for both Griezmann and Morata, 2.2 for Depay and Correa, 1.5. Everyone else is less than one. Uh, Saul mentioned has created seven big chances. Uh, as Piliqueta has created four, and de Paul and Lino have created three. Um, so it's just sort of saying when you sort of stack these up, it's not even just one player. Like even last season, so much of it was centered around Antoine Griezmann. Yeah. Uh, particularly our, once he was allowed to play more than 30 minutes a game. <laughs> um, but it's, it's all those, it's a variety of players there popping up in these numbers. It, they are getting attacking contributions across the team. And that's part of what makes, I think, this means they're doing so well. The resurgence of Saul is obviously one of the big headlines. Given earlier in his career, what a you know what, what an exciting player he was, what a good player and an exciting player he was. Yeah. Um, and then for some reason, for sort of two or three years, it just completely went. Um, but he seems to have sort of recaptured something this season, um, which is nice to see. Um, and then you've got you know. And they lost Carrasco early on. You thought that was going to be important. Um, Lino, in particular, filling that role has done has done very well. Um, you've got Molina, who started slowly to the season, just in terms of appearances, but has really sort of kicked on since he came into the team. Morata, you know what you're getting with Alvaro Morata. <laughs> He's better than some of the jokes, but some of the jokes do do still apply. Uh, <laughs> Not not least the emphasis on the VAR in Alvaro, uh, shown in the international break as well, where he was involved in multiple offside goals. Um, but Griezmann, who had a slow start to the season, has been picking it up as well. And yeah, it's just sort of, you know, I've been quite surprised this season that it really has just been, they've been quite fun. Yeah, I mean, annoyingly, at the start of the season where I had Griezmann and I had Morata. Where did I have Depay? I think I had Depay to start off with, moved him to Morata. And then I got fed up before they managed to win 7-0 and re removed both of them at that point. So I've not timed this very well in terms of having uh, Atleti assets, but they are looking, like you say, very fun. This is not... Uh, traditionally, people say, oh, like, oh, this isn't your dad's or your uncle's certain team and like think back to the stereotype from ages ago this isn't younger use atletico madrid from basically like four three four years ago um oddly even at that point when they were stereotypically like very defensive and extremely solid even at that point they still conceded goals in the champions league so i know obviously we are always going to concentrate on super league here but the fact that all these teams are in 
the Champions League. Um, this does kind of have an element of crossover with UCL fantasy. Um, I mean, this is going to guarantee Athletic keep a clean sheet in the next game. But I would not have any Atletico defenders in the UCL fantasy team. Um, we're obviously talking about how fun they are, but they always just seem to concede in the Champions League. Um, Samuel Lino is a player I've messaged you about. I think he's been he's been really exciting. Um, I think he's a key factor in, you obviously said, in terms of replacing Carrasco, then being, say, being fine to let him go when you get an offer for a player who's always been willing to, to move, um, you're going to take it. But he's been exceptional. The pace he gives them on that counter-attack, relating back to the point of that they don't need all of the ball because they're happy to just um, to just push on and, uh, and counter-attack. And obviously, Saul doesn't, doesn't qualify for um, budget booster. Uh, um, he does, yeah. He does, yeah. Why did I write down that it's six six point oh? No, it's six point five for mids. So both all both my research Lino just and, both Lino and Saul a budget booster eligible. I've written it down wrong. <laughs> there we go. There's going to be loads more players yeah. in this list later on. I did even when I was going through this list, I was like, <laughs> six seems a bit harsh here. Yeah. Um, okay, we won't be spending too long on just on Marcus Urente <laughs> later on then. Um, but yeah, they've been they've been exciting to watch. Um, it's just about it's just going to be about timing in terms of in terms of them. Um, and yeah, picking picking your moments. Do you know anything about when Memphis is back fit? I haven't seen much about him. Um, I, yeah. know the ho- I think the hope was after this international break, but I haven't seen where, how he's progressing in line with that. So um, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see that one. Um, what was the second team you, you had noted down? So the second one um, is Napoli, because obviously we came into the season expecting Napoli to keep going great guns. There was a little bit of sort of, you know, the, the manager changes and... Okay, how is that going to affect them? But they'd kept most of the the important players and everything. So it's like, surely this is going to, you know, particularly in attack, be more of the same. And it's felt a little bit underwhelming this season. And so I just wanted to have a bit of a look and see what was going on with them. Um, They are obviously, um, you know, it's not terrible. I think is the important thing to add with them yeah. in terms of the, the league. It's not sort of like a disaster, but, you know, it's clearly not sort of, you know, all is good and everything. You know, they've been sounding out Antonio Conte about taking the job and everything, which, you know, yeah, I'm was, so uh, glad that didn't happen. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> as soon as that tweet got put out there, I think we both messaged each other with a tweet like, in the same <laughs> instant. And we were like, please, God, do not let this yeah. happen because... We can't have one of the most fun teams we've had in years. I mean, there's an element to which it's already... I mean, it has gone downhill with Rudy Garcia. Rudy Garcia is bad enough, but... Yeah, but and <laughs> Conte going there would be a completely different level. Like, there's... I mean, you don't need to talk to any Spurs fan about how depressed <laughs> they were when he was managing them. Yeah. You don't want him having the, the quality players that, that Napoli have gotten. No. 
No, no, unless you want to see Farrett Schellier playing wing back, uh, which nobody wants to see. No. <laughs> but okay. yes, yeah, so they are fifth in the league for context. They've got 14 points from eight games. And even though it's eight games gone, they're already seven points off uh, Milan in top spots. So in terms of just some of the stats they have, so they are averaging 2.1 goals per game, which is actually fourth in the league. They are ninth in the league for goals conceded at 1.1 goals uh, conceded per game, which you know may speak to um, where we're seeing the issues there. Uh, they average 59% possession, uh, which I thought was interesting, particularly when they are, you know, perceived to be struggling, but having so much of the ball, maybe mm. that plays a part in it. Um, they've only they've only kept three clean sheets so far. They're first in the league for XG with 16.9. They're first in the league for shots on target per game with 5.6. They're third in the league for big chances created with 16. They're fourth in the league for XG conceded with 6.4. One of the weirdest stats is they have been given six penalties. Uh, The next highest in the league is three. Uh, Bear in mind, they've been given six penalties in eight games. That's an incredible rate. Yeah. Um, And it's not sustainable, funnily enough. No. uh, They've they've also missed two of those six. Yeah. uh, um, in terms of just digging in on some of the player stats as well, in terms of goals, you've got Ozyman has six, uh, two of those are penalties. Politano has three, including one penalty. Zielinski has two, including one penalty. And then you have a whole number of players on one, which just goes to highlight. I mean, I know Politano's got three there, but really it is heavily reliant on Victor Ossiman again, but to, yep. a, to a more extreme degree, it feels like, which again, seems like part of the problem, particularly now Victor Ossiman is going to be out for sort of four to six weeks. Uh, yeah, you really need... This is... This, this window will show kind of what this team is going to be made of. You lose your talisman... Right, is everybody else going to step up? Going to go? No, we can we can do this without him for a, a, a few weeks. Um, Kavashalia, can he step up more? Because he's like, I mean, he's having four shots per game. That is a hell of a lot. One goal, three assists, not bad, but not quite the level you'd be expecting, basically. Um, and I mean, obviously they play different positions, but teams can focus even more heavily on him now because they don't have to two centre backs don't need to be worrying all the time where Osman is. Um, so yeah, we will see. We'll see how that one develops. Really, again, I think a lot of people like watching Napoli. I know we both do, but yeah, you. I think this kind of comes down to when the manager came in. You kind of were like, oh, that's a really odd choice. This can't... I mean, they they won the league in the first time in however long, right? It was unlikely they're then just going to have two league titles in a row, especially with the fact Serie A is so competitive in those top six, seven spots. Like, you're not... Um, I mean, no one would have thought Lazio would have qualified for Champions League last year. And those, even those spots change a lot so 
we spoke about that at the start of the season. We think that's the most competitive league in terms of who who would win the title. Um, and it's still showing that now. So, yeah, they're a um, very much a kind of wait and see. And we've got a question about Osman later, but I don't think the answer will be replacing with Politano and your gaffer team. No, um, in, ter- in terms of yet. them sort of just overall, I think... The attacking numbers, particularly the underlying numbers, I will say that the overall XG is obviously skewed by the fact they've had six penalties. But a lot of these numbers do suggest that it's not that bad um, and that they're not necessarily a problem. Um, But it's a bit uncertain because some of these things feel very familiar to anyone who has followed or watched or supported a Rudy Garcia team before. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of the same things here. So, uh, you know, it may be that they just, you know, that they regressed positively to some of these numbers, or it might be that it's just a factor of a function of how they're playing, which given that Graham Potter was one as one of the managers they've been linked with replacing Rudy Garcia with, Things like underperforming your XG and hiring Ray <laughs> Potter feels perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, if it did, if it did come together with him there, like that could be really fun. Yeah, but as ever, like the point you've just said is the key one, and that's why it's a huge if. Um, yeah, we will monitor to see kind of how they how they come out of this. Um, come out the international break in the next few weeks. Yeah, and the third team I've got is Lazio. You mentioned them there, but um, obviously it was a little bit of a surprise last season, uh, particularly how high they finished. Um, but I just wanted to have a little bit of a look at, you know, the fact that they are 13th in the league. Um, they've only got 10 points from eight games. And I just wanted to have a look at at them and just sort of, you know, has there been something that's just simple as regression? Have they just been bad? Like what, you know, have they been unlucky? What's sort of been going on? I'm going to run through the, some of these stats for them, but I will sort of say, spoiler alert, they're not great. <laughs> um, so they average 1.3 goals per game, which is a starting point. Not great. That's 11th in the league. They concede, bear in mind they score average 1.3 goals per game they average 1.5 goals per game conceded so they are they are averaging you know sort of losing uh mm-hmm. which is which is actually 15th in the league um they have one clean sheet this season which when you think about their defensive numbers last season that is a thing that immediately jumps out i'd written down uh end of the stats i prepared they kept 21 clean sheets in Serie A last season they've got one in eight games now yeah. So either you, yeah, which you might come on to, either were massively over overperforming defensively last season, and now they're underperforming, or um, it's not. But I mean, I went through their results from last season. I think there were two runs they went on. It was like eight clean sheets in a row yeah. for both runs, seven or eight. Which is, I mean, when I see runs like that, I do think if we were, if Super League was around last season, how quickly would we have clocked that that run was ridiculous? And managed to get on probably by about game five, but we still would have got some clean sheets. Yeah, um, but it's definitely not that like that this season. 
Yeah, and in terms of you know some of the stats around that, in terms of the attack, they've got 8.3 xG, uh, which is 13th in the league. They've got they've created 10 big chances, which is 11th in the league. They have 10.5 xG conceded, which is the 14th best in the league. And they uh, another attacking stat, they have 3.1 shots on target per game, which is 15th in the league. Um, in terms of the goals, you have Luis Alberto, uh, Matias Vecino, and Chiro Mobile with two, uh, Kamada and Zakanyi and Castellanos with one. That's it. Uh, assists, you have Felipe Anderson with four. Nobody else has more than one. Um, XG, Chiro Mobile and uh, Tati Castellanos are the only players to have one cumulative XG this season. Wow. Uh, for them uh, in terms of shots on target per 90 because there's some weird stats out there um, in terms of the minute splits uh, Castellanos and Vecino are the only players to have more than one uh, big chances created Felipe Anderson has created four no one else has created more than one and in terms of XA the only two players with an cumulative XA over one is Felipe Anderson and Luis Alberto um, so all of this is to say, and in reference to last season, yes, they did overperform. Not to the extent that you would have expected them to be, you know, a bottom third team yeah. this season. But, you know, it's a bit of an extreme swing. But there is certainly not an underperformance as such going on this season. Um, in terms of potential fixes for them, um, I mentioned Tati Castellanos in there. He's come into the team for the last two games into the starting lineup. Um and he could be one to watch. Um, he obviously, I think, did quite well in the Atalanta game that they won 3-2. Mm -hmm. um, but Chiro Mobile wasn't really giving them much up front. Um, so it'd be, so I think he could, he could potentially help that. Um, and he hadn't really featured much before. So it's potentially a big swing for them if he, if he can give them anything based on what they were getting before. Uh, some other players, Felipe Anderson, um, you know, people will note, I mentioned him in a number of the stats there in terms of players that are actually doing anything. Um, Luis Alberto um, is one of only five players that have started every game for them. And he is one that obviously stands out for things like key passes, which means yeah. he, he still does all right in bonus. The others to start every game are Providel, Romagnoli, Marusic, and Zakanyi, which the fact that I'm not really mentioning Zakanyi in basically any of those stats, and he has started every game in an attacking role, is the sort <laughs> of thing that <laughs> points at the problem. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, this might be a, a minor thing. I'm just looking at the ages of their squad and the players who are playing the majority of games. Like everybody is twenty-eight and over. And I'm not saying every club has the ability to start twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five-year-olds, but I wouldn't say that as a positive sign, to be honest. And I'm not saying, oh, they're all old. They had one good season, like one great season, and that's why they're doing poorly this season because they're of an older age than squads you might want. But I think it is just slightly interesting to look at that and go, okay, so. I mean, how many years has 
Immobile got left. He's 33. I mean, he'll probably play for a Serie A team in the next three years. Will it be Lazio with the kind of performance he's putting in? Not sure. But he's done it for so long, he could easily turn this around. But last season was already kind of on the down yeah, considering how he was as well he missed a significant time a yeah significant time with another injury where it's just sort of like you know every time you get an injury in your 30s it's sort of more and more significant exactly it takes you longer to get back you don't recover in the same way you need more days off following it in kind of normal training so yeah they are um i always think for these kind of fantasy games it'd be interesting to go back maybe halfway or the end of the season and see which of the which were the teams you never got players from or the teams you've got the least amount of players from. I think Lazio are going to be high on that list. Um, albeit, I think a few of them are actually in the budget booster list yes. because they kind of have to be and they are priced very cheaply. But those stats are not... They don't make for good reading, do they? No, and I think, um, you know... I've sort of concluded there's there's a couple you can go with for for budget booster, but there's not many where I would have hoped you I would have sort of looked into this and been like, you know, sort of like the Napoli numbers where it's like, oh, this isn't great, but it's like better than it seems or whatever. But looking into it, it's like, yeah, this isn't what I wanted to see. No, um, the the one clean sheet in eight is still the, the thing that sticks out most to me because yeah. they were so defensively sorted last year. If they had... No, three from eight, you can talk yourself into it and be like, no, if they've got decent fixtures coming up, then they'll rebound and they'll um, keep one or two. But yeah, it's not it's not worth, worth having them, I don't think. No, and particularly defensively, you know, when you're getting into averaging one and a half goals conceded per game, that means your odds of even getting a half clean sheet from them aren't great. No. Um, and obviously that is such a key in this game. It's like, okay, even if I think, okay, it's a relatively difficult mid or middling game, but you'd be looking at them being like, let me suppose if they get conceded in both. Um, they've conceded two goals in, but then it still stacks out, <laughs> sticks out like a sore thumb, the fact they beat Napoli away. Yeah. I mean, we, we've spoken about how game. Napoli... <laughs> struggled right but um yeah um but they've got let's see they got two wins in the last three one of those the loss was against ac milan which i think i mean we'll touch upon them briefly later on they are very good so that's a way from home always gonna be a difficult game so can they recover maybe it's a kind of wait and see really um oddly i might uh, I don't think I will having what we just discussed, but the Rome Derby is on the 12th of November. I've got no stats to back this up. It's just memory. I don't feel that's ever a high scoring game. Um, so that ironically might be the game where you go, oh, I'll take a punt on a defender and hope for a 1-0 win, um, which wouldn't shock me. But yeah, they're not... Won't be a team we'll be pushing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm just calling that now because it screams out, just as Romelu Lukaku is getting going, the t- the most fined team in Europe for racism against Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so therefore we'll be hoping Roma win 3 0. Kaku bags a hat trick and yeah. just like stands in front of the ultras, hopefully yeah. from miles away. Yeah, so so nothing like the other side of the horrific. wrong track in the Olympic. Yeah, just a yeah. safe distance. Stay safe. <laughs> um, nice. Um, okay, well, what I pre- well, let's say did prepare, written down some, some points for is literally going to cover. All of the other non-prem teams we haven't spoken about today, literally list off their goals for, their goals against, a few stats about their clean sheets, um, any other particular stats we want to bring out. But this is more of a kind of an either an overview or a refresher on the rest of the teams in the game, in case you felt some of them have been doing really good under the radar, um, really poorly. So uh, we're going to start with the Bundesliga teams and um, we're going to start with Bayern Munich. So uh, there's been seven games in the Bundesliga so far this season. All the other game, all the other leagues, or Liga has got eight, Serie A eight, and La Liga has nine, except for Atleti who had a game uh, cancelled against Sevilla because it rained too much in Madrid. And that was in September. Funnily enough. Um, so back to Bayern, yeah. 23 goals for, only six against. They've kept three clean sheets in seven games. So defensively, again, still an option. Um, not going to touch upon just specific players, but um, there's one who stands out. He got another couple of goals last night. Um and he will be a key part of a lot of people's teams moving forward in one of your striker spots. Um, Dortmund, 16 goals for, eight against, but only two clean sheets. Again, Dortmund aren't, funny enough, they are unbeaten in the league this season, but they haven't been pulling up trees. Something always looks off with them. Um... I mean, they're only two points behind Leverkusen, who everybody is raving about this season. And to be fair, they do look very good. Xavi Alonso is the man who will become Real Madrid manager next season. If it's not next season, it's the season after that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still always something that you're worried something's going to say sort of be ruined for, for Dortmund. Um wouldn't ever be confident what their starting eleven is going to be here. Um, but then there's a few options we're going to touch upon them for, particularly for budget booster. Um, Leipzig. Now this is a team I think we're going to talk about quite a lot today when it comes later on. They've got 16 goals for, off an XG of only 10.4. They are overperforming. Um, only six goals against and four clean sheets. That, to me, was the standout thing when I was going through these stats. Makes our goalkeeper viable. It makes more of their defenders viable. Um, they've obviously got a lot of attacking options we do want in this game who are very nicely priced. Um, and then Union Berlin, who we'll probably talk about the most here. 11 goals for, 14 against, zero clean sheets. And in the last four out of five games, they've conceded two or more goals in each of those four games. Um, anybody who caught their Champions League game, where they were the early game, um, 
midweek um, where they were 2-0 up, managed to blow it in the last minute of their first ever home Champions League game. So that meant two Champions League games in a row where they've lost the game in the last minute. Um, they did actually look really good going forward in that game. They created a lot of chances, but they give up a hell of a lot. Just on the eye test, you can see that um, they are not a team you want anybody from defensively. Um, I think they're the only team that I went through that haven't kept a clean sheet this season in this game. Um, obviously, we said at the start how cheap their assets were and that it was kind of a wait and see in terms of how the Champions League impacted them, the um, fact they'd have to balance that level of European football with the league form. Obviously, last season was absolutely incredible season for them. But, yeah, there, there, isn't, there isn't a lot to kind of get excited about there from a Super League point of view. And obviously, they're a team you'd want to have been doing, excuse me, doing well as we go into the point when a lot of people will be looking at that budget boost if they haven't played it before. Um, is there anything from the Bundesliga teams that you wanted to, to mention or pick out? Um, I mean, the, the main thing, obviously, is sort of the, the just Union Berlin really, really struggling. Um, mm. I know people have sort of looked at some of their players and we talked about sort of Barons at the start of the season and we've talked about Gosens before. Uh, I think Gosens is the only one sort of defensively who who is viable just because of the attacking sort of output rather than yeah. he, he's the only one who can sort of counter that um, in terms of the goals conceded. And the fact that RB Leipzig as well, the um, the the sort of drastically outperforming their their numbers. Um, it was something that I'd seen people talk, talk about with with some of their sort of games that they really are sort of outperforming their their data and whether that improves at all or whether they sort of you know start doing worse. I guess will be interesting to see. Yeah, um, and it's a. One hand, it's a bit of a shame, right? Because I think a lot of people like to see different teams in the top four of four leagues, leagues and then it's a, can they continue it? And the majority of the time, teams can't, right? That's just, it's how it is. Um, because they don't have the financial power, whatever scouting you've got eventually hits the ceiling, etc. But, um, but yeah. Like you say, I think Gosens will still be popular on Budget Booster. He's a very well-known player. He's had a goal disallowed in that Champions League game. He's still done incredibly well in this game. But you are you really need something attacking-wise from him. It's not like a... I don't know, this is a different example, but it's not like a DeMarco or a Dumfries where you're like, OK, well, I'm basically getting at least half a clean sheet here. And then the attacking element is a, not quite a bonus, but you're not you're not reliant on that. Whereas Gosens, you kind of are at the moment. Um, so let's move on to League uh, Um PSG, 17 goals for, seven against. They've kept three clean sheets. Um, and from five of their eight games, they've scored two or more. I mean, that last stat won't shock people. People still expect PSG to pretty much well, win every game and win every game with a lot of goals. 
17 goals for. I mean, it's just it's averaging just over two a game. Um, when we if you compare that to Monaco, who are the really, in my opinion, the really exciting team of uh, league on this season, and they're top of the league. They've got 21. They're the top goal scorers in the league. Um, and most of the other teams don't actually come close to that. PSG on 17, and then the top after that is 14. So um, I think that kind of shows how the how the league is, right? It's traditionally quite a low-scoring low scoring league. Um, we talked about Mbappe on the last podcast, or the one before that. He's basically a magnet for four bonus points whenever he steps on the pitch. Um, his stats are kind of obviously very key. He still remains incredibly key to them. Um, but I think we need to see a bit more from them for any other assets, that's for sure. And it wouldn't surprise me even if there is a point that people only really look to Mbappe from PSG in this game because unless someone else really steps up and is like, no, I'm going to play second fiddle here and I'm going to put up the numbers, but I feel like they're going to be very spread out. Um, Marseille. So they've got 12 goals, 12 goals for, 11 against, but they've got the second best X, uh, XG against in the league. Um, they kept three clean sheets. So I had um, Paul Lopez since the start before I moved him off for Nick Pope a few weeks ago. Um, and looking at the stats, I feel like I've actually been quite unlucky. Um, they just always seem to always seem to have conceded kind of a goal goal a game um at least one didn't come at the the perfect times never felt like i was um kind of going to be get getting that clean sheet that i desired um and again i mean we to be fair we spoke about this at the start of the season i felt them going out of the champions league qualifier was it's such a blow in August when your season, that's going to be a key part of your season. And so naturally everybody's on low. So you're trying to pick yourself back up for that. Yeah, they're in the Europa, but yeah, it's not, don't feel like it's kind of coming together for them particularly well. However, they do face Leon uh, in game week 10 in Gaffa. And that is, I was going to say, it's like facing Sheffield United <laughs> at home, which might be a bit of disrespect to Sheffield United at the yeah, moment. As but, I said, the way Leon are playing at the moment. <laughs> um, I wouldn't actually, despite what I've just said about Marseille, I wouldn't put anybody off having triple Marseille in that week because Leon look so bad. It is silly. I mean, traditionally, they, well, can say traditionally they're very good in the French league. They haven't been for a while. Mm. It it's still that nostalgia of when you and I were probably fifteen to twenty when Jam Leon were in the Champions League all the time, and you were seeing these excellent highlights from all their players, and we still held held them up as this team that won league and all the time. Those times have gone. Yeah, they've been sort of hovering around sort of seventh, eighth, just outside the European places. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah, just outside the European places the last, I think, few years. Um, and now they are second bottom. 
and I think they did have they had the worst XGC um, in the league. Don't quote me on that. I think that's what I was looking. They haven't won a game this season. They've only scored six goals in eight games. Like, if there is that to me is one of the standout games to target in that week, um, and we'll kind of come on to Marseille assets later on. Um, Ren. 14 goals for 10 against um seeing eighth in the league they drew five of their eight games and all of those five games are in a row um they've only kept two clean sheets so again there's nothing there was nothing from them that stood out in terms of like amazing amazing defense amazing attack or really poor on either side kind of just all right cool don't i need i need something to stand out from them before we um recommend the assets and long so this does stand out a little bit more so they've got eight goals for 13 against only one clean sheet in those eight games but they've got an xg of 12.2 and only scored eight goals so Whether you like to look at that stat, one, they definitely are underperforming by a lot. Therefore, regression to the mean means they will pick up a lot and they will score a lot more goals in their upcoming games or they create chances and cannot finish them and won't, um, that won't, that won't change. Depends kind of how you look at it. Um, so again there's nothing outside of the the marseille fixture there wasn't a huge amount there that stood out to me was there anything from league one that stood out to you in particular um yeah there's one player when i was sort of looking around all of these stats and everything before that um it jumped out to me because i knew they'd done well but i didn't realize how quite quite how well they'd done the fourth highest scoring player in gaffer is ashraf hakimi yeah um, and he he has 71 points, so the only players that have outscored him are Jude Bellingham, Lautaro Martinez, and Harry Kane, and he has 14 points more than the next defender. He has 71 <laughs> points, and the next defender is Kieran Trippier on 57. It's just something to sort of observe, because it, it caught me completely sort of unawares. I think he has sort of three goals, two assists, or something, which helps with that. Um, but it's just the case with him, you know, it, it was him that jumped out really, you know, some of these other things, it's sort of like, yeah, Marseille have really struggled, but they're against a terrible Lyon team. So that's potentially good. Um, Long, I saw them obviously beat Arsenal in the Champions League and I still wasn't particularly impressed by them. No. Um, uh, which, you know, says a lot about Arsenal that they lost that game, but it wasn't like I was sort of all, you know, something's coming from long. It was sort of like, no, this still they still don't look great. Yeah. Um and then Ren, yeah. I mean the the I guess the one notable thing with them is just to, to mention again, um Assignon, the the four point zero well the defender who started the season at four point zero, it's now four point two. Um he's on the first page sort of in defender points. Um, so for those, I mean, I've had him since the start of the season and he's sat on the bench the whole time, <laughs> sort of, you know, collecting these points. I think he's got a couple of goals in there. Um, 
But, you know, particularly if people are just looking to have someone that they carry through or whatever, he is still sort of playing regularly, still getting points, despite Ren not necessarily doing quite as well. So he seems like just one another one to, to point out from them. Yeah, I mean, he's only got he's got one goal and one assist, but the fact that he's 15 points ahead of the next Ren defender yeah. shows he's doing a lot right. And the bonuses, he's obviously cleaning up because you're not you don't go that far ahead of another defender in your team if if it's not bonus led. Um yeah, the the Hakimi one, that's a good point actually. I think naturally I'm just always put off spending a lot of money on defenders in not just Super League, but in a lot of games, right? But if he continues showing this and like I said earlier, we you're kind of looking to see which is the PSG second fiddle player kind of that steps up massively well he's already doing it so can, if he continues this is it something we go okay i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get him in and i accept that and maybe on budget booster it allows you to do it um which we'll come on to um seria and hakimi's old team inter milan so they've got 21 goals for only five against. They've kept five clean sheets in eight games, and in six of their eight games, they've scored two or more goals. Um, both them and Milan have been very impressive um, in Serie A in kind of slightly different different ways, I think I'd say. Um, but I mean, their gaffer assets are—they're very clear, right? We've, all, we've talked a lot about Demarco Dumfries. Lataro, um, you've had two around quite a lot. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about? To be fair, points wise, not done, not done too badly. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, there's there's been a few times, notably the the Lautaro substitute sort of explosion uh, when yeah. he came on and got all the goals, <laughs> um, which wasn't great that game. But generally speaking, I think Turam has has been a decent pick. It's not necessarily been against. Lautaro, but I think he's he's shown himself to be a, a decent option as well, particularly if for whatever reason you do need to say that little saving. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have been particularly impressive and I don't think people are making too many mistakes by having their, their assets in the game. Um, but again, they are the um, third top goal scorers in the league um, and I don't think that will come as a shock to people, especially with how good Lataro Martinez has been. Um, if we touch on AC Milan, so we're kind of on the other side of the city, 16 goals for, eight against, but we'll caveat that and say five of those goals were conceded against Inter. They get four clean sheets. They've only lost that one game, which is the 5 1 against Inter. So they've won eight, uh, sorry, they've won seven of the other eight. Um, and they sit top of the league. Um, Defensively, I know it's kind of four clean sheets in eight, which I guess kind of sounds sounds good. It's, it sounds okay when caveated, but they conceded five in one game, which means they've conceded the odd goal in the other three games. Um, it's two clean, what? Sorry, it's three clean sheets in the last four. Um, and again, they will be a team I think we will be looking to for defensive assets and they 
do have quite a few um, coming up for budget booster. I know we've said well, I know I've said the word but the words budget booster a lot kind of throughout this pod, and not everybody will be the same strategy as you and I who will be looking to play budget booster in game week ten and overhaul into it. But there have been quite a few questions about it. So if you're not on budget booster, please continue to listen to the pod. <laughs> and I apologize and we'll still try to give you some value. Um but it seems a thing that the community are talking about and the questions have kind of dictated that element. Um, and the other two teams are Napoli and Lazio, which we've touched upon anyway. Um, so I think we can skip ahead to La Liga and, unless there's anything you else, anything else you wanted to mention? Um, yeah, I think just with, with uh, Milan, um, obviously, with you know, People have had Rafael Leal. Rafael Leal is, has been has been very good again this season. Um, I did want to mention Christian Pulisic. Yes. Particularly the fact that Christian Pulisic has stayed fit. Now, obviously, <laughs> you have to say you know touch wood, all sort of like he could he could get injured at any point. But so far, Christian Pulisic has played played well and stayed fit, and that is that makes him interesting because. You know, even previously, we've seen in the past when he hasn't been hampered by injuries, he's had good runs. He's sort of shown ability. Now, whether it's just a good run and he's going to sort of drop back a bit, that remains to be seen. But he has played well so far, and I think that that does make him an option as well as Leal. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think, for example, I don't think it's unreasonable even to have both of those guys in, in your team as well. No, Um at the start of the season, we were talking about what we felt that front three would be for Milan. Would they rotate a lot, which they do seem to have done? Is that after? It's either after or before their Champions League games, they seem to rotate. And it's just been the same for both rounds, but I can't remember which way it is. Um, I might have to double check that. But that is a. It's two games of pattern. They've done it twice. It might not be. It might be okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pulisic only score for US uh, men's team the other day. I'm I sure I saw so, a replay yeah. of that goal. Uh, he cut inside, banged it in the top corner. Um, but it is Leal, Pulisic, Giroud, their front three. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to be subbed, but that's you take it right. They're starting games, um, and yeah, the the price difference between. The Alan Pulisic is only 0.6, but I think you made a good point there in terms of if there are people who are looking to play the Serie A boost and they've got that left and they've highlighted that one that they want to play, I don't see that as a um, too bad a, bad a strategy. They play Udinese in, uh, in 11. It's not the best game, but they've got um, Lecce the week after. That's a more attractive game, game week 12. Um, so La Liga. So we'll just touch upon three teams we haven't here. Um, Barca, 21 goals for, 10 against. Bearing in mind, Barcelona only conceded 20 goals in the whole of La Liga last season. Um, conceding 10 after nine games is not good by Barca standards. The fact that uh, the whole team is more attacking now. 
and that by that very nature having Cancelo and Balde as your fullbacks that leaves more holes Romeo I thought he'd actually done well in the first the first few games he played I was like no actually he can step up to this level the Champions League games he's been poor so it makes me fearful for the bigger games in La Liga um so we don't have someone kind of sweeping all this all up the injury to De Jong as well has made the defence weaker um, and teams feel they can get out of Barca now. Um, there isn't the fear factor that there was there was there last year that, oh no, we're not going to score against this Barca team. They're too good defensively. Um, I don't feel Ter Stegen's been at fault for too many of the goals, but Maybe like we talked about earlier with other teams, right? This is regression. You're not just going to concede 20 goals in yeah. every season that you continue. <laughs> like, this is going to get... Um, but four clean sheets in those nine games. Three of those have been at home. So, basically, I would not recommend having any Barca defender. There are very few Barca players I would actually recommend. We are going to touch upon one for budget booster. Um, and we can touch upon any specifically but again we probably should have mentioned this at the start of the pod game week 10 is the derby weekend or the maybe not the derby weekend the big game weekend across europe um is perhaps a better way of saying it um with a lot of teams kind of top teams playing against each other um trying to put more attractive games on the slate um and we've spoken about this before. It might have been on the pod that there is no way this is by coincidence. The, the fixture computers for each different league must talk to each other in the off-season before they put fixtures out and highlight the key weekends they all want big games. Um, so that is why, if people hadn't looked at Game Week 10, that a lot of people are looking at Budget Booster because big teams are, are playing each other. They've got more difficult games, so then... Is it a good week to target kind of lesser, uh, perhaps lesser or cheaper, cheaper assets, really? Um, Real, 20 goals for, only six against. They've kept five clean sheets, and in the last three games, they've kept clean sheets in all of them. Um, I'm not sure how much more we can say about Jude Bellingham, and or more than anybody has said, um, kind of this season, and... Uh, particularly in the last few weeks and especially after last night he has got 93 points in Gaffer the next midfielder has 68 um, yeah I now definitely don't apologise for saying in it was week 2 where I said he is essential in this game <laughs> he is most definitely essential in this game if you do not have him get him back if you're thinking of overhauling and taking him out, don't do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared in. enough on the budget booster about the idea of having him on the bench for one week. <laughs> yeah, um, I really am. And the fact that he's against Barca as well, I'm going to have a player who gets a lot of points on the bench. So I can't even... Yeah, I'm, I, was, I was debating whether I start him on budget booster and just sacrifice the fact he isn't going to get two and a half times points and I'll decide that in the morning of that week but it isn't the 
isn't the right strategy. And I'm only saying that because I'd want to jinx him and <laughs> not have him do particularly well. But the form he's in, form he's in, you expect him to score in every game. Yeah. Like it is un- unbelievable. Um, what price do you reckon he would be in the game next year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm just thinking. I think he started at, he started at 8.5. So I think Vinny started at 10.5 based on the year he had last year. Um, even if you assume Bellingham takes a slight backward step, I mean, Musiala was 11. You're probably talking at least that, even if even if Bellingham ends up taking a backward step in terms of like still good, but not at this level the rest of the season. Because yeah. um, Musiala was putting up amazing numbers last year, but whether it's slightly higher than that, possibly, um, it would sort of depend whether he kept this up. If he kept this up, then obviously you're talking like 15 or whatever. But um, yeah, I think I think he'd probably be up at around, I don't know, 11.5. Yeah, um, I don't think we could say that's wrong um, based on this. But yeah, we will, um, we will see, obviously how he continues and hopefully he takes this um hopefully his form dips so Real don't win anything this year <laughs> then it picks back up just before the euros and he uh, leads england to victory um and the other team from uh la liga Real sociedad obviously a lot of the defensive assets have been quite popular in this game particularly based around price um 17 goals for 12 against and three clean sheets in that time so they've they've been okay um in some games they have looked particularly impressive um other games kind of not quite quite as much um actually in the champions league they've done particularly well in the two games i mean four points from Inter, Inter at home and Salzburg away. And I know people will look at Salzburg on paper and be like, oh, that's an easy game. They should win that. But we've seen in a lot of years where Salzburg put up really good performances. They have players you've never, most people have never heard of before that then enter the scene. Um, think back to all those years where they had Adi Amy um, and Okafor in the team and they looked... Um, they look really good. They gave a lot of teams struggles and Sociedad dealt with them quite well. So I think they are going to be a particularly attractive team for us to target with their cheaper assets um, as people overhaul and, and move into this period. Obviously, Kubo has been extremely good this season. If you've had him, you've kind of been sweeping up points every week. He's probably the one player I'm annoyed at myself that I haven't owned um because there hasn't been a re- really a reason as to why i haven't i just haven't kind of found the opportunity to that i needed to either change the midfield or that be my biggest issue really um but anything on the la liga teams you wanted to mention um i think it was noteworthy that the game before i think it was the game before the break um vinny got a couple of returns yeah um he'd obviously come back from injury um you know usefully for me i'd actually taken a punt on him at that point and he got a couple of returns which was quite nice 
Um, but if he gets going, because he's struggled a little bit that so far this season mm-hmm. to sort of hit his best form, if he gets going, in addition to what Bellingham is doing, that could get well. It could get scary for the other teams. It could get great <laughs> from a Super League point of view, and that double up. I think I had it briefly. I think it would become very popular very quickly. Um, yeah. If they if they can combine. Um, Barca, I think it's interesting in terms of looking at the players, but um, I'm sure we'll mention him again, but uh, a lot of people have gone to sort of Joao Felix and Cancelo, I think is the other one that's been a quite a popular pick who I know you've sort of said about the defenders, but Cancelo is another one in terms of the attacking potential, I think, that, that can give you something as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, he has been... He's been very good for Barca. Obviously, there is the caveat to then, but because he plays, Barca look weaker defensively, but you're getting a lot of attacking output. Like, he wants to make things happen. He is playing extremely well. To me, it's like, okay, that is still a positive. He is still a positive, but you need to just fix the problem it it, um it then means and develops with the other players in midfield and that's something Xavi's going to have to work on. But um, yeah, I wouldn't put people off looking at Cangelo um, even over over Balde now. Um, there was a point at which I wasn't too sure Cangelo was going to play every single game. Um, and Ironically, I wasn't I wasn't confident he will he will start the Classico. Unfortunately, Barca got so many injuries now, he's definitely going to start the Classico. Um but I could have seen Xavi go, actually, we're gonna put Araujo at right back, Kunde and Christensen in the middle, and Balde at left back, because then Araujo plays against Vinicius. I was about to say he's the he's the Vinny stopper, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um you go back to having three what I want to say proper defenders in that back four, but Kunde's out for a while. You're not going to play Christensen and uh, Martinez at centre-back now. You you just play Cancelo and you... Yeah, I can already picture the problems that we're then going to face on the counter-attack, but um, that's, for a, that's for another discussion. Um, why don't we go through the questions? Um, if you want to kick them off and I'm sure we'll see a few kind of um, just interject a little bit um, just to go through a couple of team news things oh yeah because I forgot we were going to do it in that and then I forgot Um, (laughs) just for the immediate after the break so for example uh, Mike Magnon um, got like everyone obviously greatly enjoyed the moment of Olivier Giroud going in goal which we probably should have led the the show. Oh, yeah. It was the the main moment. Um, lovely moment from uh, AC Milan adding Giroud to the goalkeepers on their website as well <laughs> after the game. Um, so Magnon will obviously be suspended. Um, as far as I'm aware, they either haven't appealed the red card or had any success appealing the red card. Um, you, If anyone has sort of Bakayo Saka, that's obviously something that everyone will be aware. You need to um, keep an eye on what his status is. 
Um, I had written down Savage, obviously available, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, Barcelona, I mentioned injuries. Uh, the one to mention Everybody. that's happened over the international break is Balde, um, who got injured in the game against Scotland um, and will miss. Game week nine might be back for the Classico, I think is the diagnosis. Um, yeah, I think the people seem optimistic he will be back for that. But um, yeah, like... Not that anybody was going to get him, but Sergio Roberto got an injury today. He's the latest one in the, <laughs> the injury list, which apparently Barca have 10 fit first-team players right now, um, which, I mean, Barca are always going to have yeah. young talent to fill the bench, and it's not going to be a problem for, well, <laughs> he says. He says it's not going to be a problem <laughs> this week facing Athletic Bilbao, but it's a home game. That's always a positive, and the like. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. There's a there seems to be a trend there, um, but I'm not recommending any any Barca players anyway. So no, um, you've obviously got Man City. Uh, Rodri will be back from suspension, um, so if anyone's looking at uh, Rodri for whatever reason, um, he. I think it's now he will be available. Um, and John Stones obviously returned in the game against Arsenal um, off the bench. He then played over the international break, which I think is handy for Man City. So if anyone's potentially looking at Man City at this point, John Stones could be one um, to, to look at as well. Uh, we mentioned the big one, Victor Ossiman, out four to six weeks, uh, mm. likely. Um I would assume that means that Raspadori goes up front. Yeah. Um, he's been the replacement before. Um, but obviously that's a big blow for them, as I highlighted in terms of how prominent Ozzyman was in their goal scoring numbers. Uh, Newcastle, you've got obviously the same sort of awareness of Botman, Wilson, Isak, um, which is obviously a big impact for budget booster. <laughs> Um, and then you've also got, which is less of an impact given the lineup they were deploying, but the the ongoing issue now around Sandro Tonali, which we won't get too much into, but obviously that makes him less likely to be selected, which you could look at makes certain other players more likely to be selected. Yeah. Um, for PSG, Hakimi, Kazawa, Dembele and Kolomowani will all be suspended for their game week nine game. This relates to joining in with homophobic chanting directed at Marseille after their big sort of derby game against them. Um, I thought it was for the game before the break, so I sold Kolomowani, who I had, um, who did return, but um, it will actually be for this game. So particularly we were talking about Hakimi, for example. He yeah. will be suspended for the, the game week nine game. Um, and the last one I had was Danny Olmo has returned to training over the international break. Um, I think it was early on in the break, RB Leipzig posted pictures of him being back in training. Um, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come back into the team right away or that he's even ready to to be involved, but just to, to know that he is sort of, you know, he has made that step up in his return as well. Nice. 
showing that you're you aren't just limited to championship yes, uh, the, team team news uh, i had to sort of you know keep the keep the brand strong <laughs> you had that holiday where you gave yourself a week off you had yeah. international break so you're making up for it on this pod exactly um nice um do you want to run through the questions that we that we got yes um i've just seen uh yep so that's so we've had nine questions um going to ask them in no particular order though i am going to ask two one after the other because they're from the same person um but starting with rob pick's question he said overhauling into this week into budget buster i know angus is doing the same so is chris so so i'll ask this to chris (laughs) how would you structure that and which four non-budget players would be on your bench um, so we'll tackle the bench element first. My so I'll caveat and say I haven't built my budget booster team, but by definition, you should be able to get whatever four players you want to leave on your bench. Um, I kind of skip over goalkeeper because I'm likely to keep Pope. He's four point six. He's fine for uh, budget booster. He's fine for longer term than that. I'm never going to spend on an expensive keeper here. He's sorry, I got him at four four point six. He's four point seven in the game. Um, it is five for keepers, isn't it? I did write that one down correctly. Um, he's not going to go to five by the time you want to play the the boost. So that's a positive. Um, Bellingham and Kane will be the definite two that I have on the bench. Um, Bellingham for every reason we have explained. Kane, I've already got. Um, To me, it's out of... I mean, we kind of spoke about this before. Kane, Haaland and Mbappe. Um, At the time, we included Lewandowski on that list. Funny enough, he's injured now. Um, In terms of which of those premiums you wanted to have, would you flip between them? Would you just... I want to say suffer, but you have one of them, you're like, right, he's the one I'm going to rely on for the majority of time. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm keeping Kane. I've got Mites this week. The week I'm, fortunately, the week I'm going to bench him for budget booster will be placing Darmstadt at home. Yeah. That could be a huge scoreline for Bayern. Um, they do have Dortmund the week after. To me, that is not a difficult game. Bayern have such a great record in this game. Um, they will probably win 4-2 in that game. Um, it doesn't put me off. Um, I know everything, and they've got Heidenheim the week after that. That is an amazing standout fixture for a home game. Um, to me, if someone wants to go Mbappe, I don't think there's a huge amount between Kane and Mbappe. Mbappe could could score less goals or get less assists, but he could beat Kane due to bonus points because he, like I said earlier, he's a he's a magnet for four points. Kane has a lot more players on that team yeah, that he's you know, truly yeah truly challenging yeah. Um, for those bonus points, so that makes it more difficult. The third one is the is the I guess key or difficult one. For me, it's do you keep another premium striker and then on budget boost you're only going for one? 
which means you're going to have to play five in midfield, which could be possibly that. We're going to come onto that in the, the list. Um, when we spoke earlier, I was like, it would probably be an Inter player I keep. So it could well be DeMarco. I'd get Martinez back as quickly as I could after budget booster. Um, there aren't... I mean, we've talked about Vinicius and wanting that double act, but that would mean I'd have Vinicius and Bellingham on my bench for El Clasico. If they both do really well, I would not want to see those points on my bench when they've just hurt me in the game anyway. Um, yeah, like we said, I wouldn't go for Akimi. Um, so I think it. I think currently I'd probably go. Look, I'm going to want Demarco back. I think he's a great player to own. And then I go my transfer back in would be Lotaro Martinez. Um, while um, Rob's obviously mentioned budget booster, do you want to use this point to go through the kind of list of players we've um, you and I have noted down for this, or do you want to move on to the other questions? Yeah, let's let's cross it off now because we might be able to cover off some of these questions, some of the other questions in doing so. Essentially, um, okay. So, kind of got a few notes, and these aren't just people to to get. These are um, possible reasons not to get <laughs> uh, because people will look at the keeper stats and go, "Oh, Union Berlin keeper is the sixth highest goal scorer, uh, goal scorer scoring keeper in the game." As we alluded to before, I think this was in week one or week two, he saved two penalties in a game. This is an outlier, and we've talked about how poor they've been defensively. I would not be picking him for this. What's going to happen now? And in this week, he's going to save a penalty. But um, So I've got... I've, I've, I've said I'm probably going to keep Pope, but Blaswich at Leipzig has only conceded six goals. They play uh, Cologne the bottom of the league, and they've only scored four goals. Um, so getting him as your keeper is a logical move. However, there is a chance you might want triple Leipzig from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't, I'm not going to want triple Newcastle from elsewhere. Um, Raya is only 4.9. Yeah. The slight risk you have, which I think is very small, is that in a week he rises to five and then you're like, oh, I'm stuck. If your backup keeper is someone who will play um, and is less than five, then you, you could do that. Yeah, like I'm um, it, I'm, I do have Raya in. I've obviously currently built my overhaul team. I do have Raya in, but I've kept Ramiro from Real Sociedad as my backup yeah. who uh, is comfortably within. Um, he's... 4.6, so I've got that back up if, if Raya does go up. Yeah, and he was the other one I'd listed, so um, I think it's out of those. I think the fact Mike Magnon is injured is just unlucky. He was the one I'd circled for this week ages ago to go, cool, that's the point I'm getting him in. And, um, yeah, he did his kind of Schumacher impression, didn't he? Um, yeah, just unfortunate there, but there's, there's kind of four options that we've spoken about there. Um, defenders um, 
I'd be shocked if Rahm isn't in everybody's yeah. uh, team who is going down this strategy. So obviously plays for Leipzig. Um, he's got one goal, two assists this season. We've spoken about they've actually been pretty good defensively. I mean, he conceded six goals. You'll want some sort of defensive asset from Leipzig based on those numbers and um, the fact of who they're playing. So that to me is a kind of standout pick. He's the sixth highest uh, scoring defender in the game anyway, and he's at a great, great price point. Um, list of Dan Byrne, Guardiol, Zinchenko's only 4.9. Um, Thiel of Milan, which again, we've spoken about their defensive strength this season. I think he's definitely one I will be getting. Um, I know I spoke about how Union Berlin have been awful defensively, but Benucci is in this price point and he has taken a penalty. So if you want something exciting, you could put Benucci in your team, hope they get a penalty, hope he takes it, um, and maybe they stumble their way to half a clean sheet as well. Um, Yeah, if that comes off, Fair play for the managers do go for them. Um, I mentioned Savic. He obviously has recovered from that injury. But there was a game before that where he got rested for Atletico. But he's still... It's only Hermoso who started more games from a defensive point of view than Savic. Um, yeah, that's a... That's a one I'd like to have, but not now a bit worried he might not start so probably wouldn't go for him um especially because i mean in the last game he did come on that that would really annoy you right yeah <laughs> you don't start and you get your center back come on for two points and this boost yeah um is there anybody outside of that list uh so i think it's just worth mentioning the rail sociedad fullbacks so you've got yeah. Priore and Munoz. Um, obviously, it will be Munoz. There was obviously a period he dropped out the team. Kieran Tierney is out for a while. Um, so it will be Munoz. Um, and then um, the other one that I was going to mention was, uh, you mentioned Raum, but also Simican, who has done quite well for RB Leipzig. So particularly if you wanted to double up on their defence, um, that's a way to have two on Budget Buster. Yeah, um, I think that's always a. It's generally a strategy I don't look at. Then after <laughs> after the game week has happened, I'm like, ah, oh, really doubling up is a good idea. Um, it just depends what other assets you want. Yeah. Um, when we come on to their midfield assets, and again, I'm sure this player will be in everybody's team. Uh, Xavi Simon, not only six point three. Um, I'd be shocked if people didn't have him um 60 points as a midfielder so far um he is seventh highest scoring uh midfielder i think he's perfect for this boost i think we highlighted him in week one when people were playing this it was him or olmo um the fact olmo is recovering you've obviously said he's back in training but will he start don't know or why not get the leipzig midfielder who's been in great form and is eligible for this. Um, the ones I had written down, hopefully you can fill the gaps in terms of the ones that are over six mil. Um, I had written down Luis Alberto, 
I mean, we've spoken about Napoli, uh, sorry, Lazio. Doesn't fill me with confidence, but he does qualify for this. Rodri being back is... Uh, I mean, the people who played this in game week one, Rodri did incredibly well that week. He can always pop up with something. Um, yes, they do have um, United away, but I don't think you can score against anybody. Um, didn't kind of put me off. Um, Marcus Llorente has started seven games in La Liga for Atletico. Um, but we've kind of spoken about how Atletico have got other midfield options that do qualify for this now. So whether you wanted Saul, whether you wanted Lino, um, they're the other two I would be looking at. But even then, like Saul started four games, Lino started three. You want, you have to get nailed players for this, right? It's the key to the boost because you're kind of setting yourself up. We're setting yourself up for one week, right? And then how quickly you want to move away from a lot of the players you get. Um, so that becomes difficult. Um, Emre Chan has taken penalty for Dortmund this season. He's not entirely nailed. He's five starts and two sub appearances. So again, it's like possible. You might want to go there. Um, Baron Chair at Real Sociedad. I think I'll definitely have um, him. He's got three goals. Yes, you can get um, Alaphabal, but he's 6.5. There's potential fear could go up in a week's time. Um, but is there anybody else you have identified from that? And is one Elliot Anderson in the hopes that he takes the Tonali spot? Uh, it's not, but I do have a couple of Newcastle players. Um, one of them is uh, Miguel Almiron, um, who is 5.5, so he is sort of well within. Um, he's obviously, you know, done decently um had a very nice goal a nice goal was it the game before the break or the one before that um yeah so he's potentially an option and also i can't believe i'm saying this anthony gordon uh, i know yeah who in terms of the guys that the the midfielders that um qualify for this is only being outscored by chavi simons um yeah so you know he's one that does have to be considered um, I think it will definitely get booked, but you you just have to accept that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Ishmael Assar is another one who has yeah. just sort of ticked along for for Marseille, and so I do think is a is a consideration. And you mentioned sort of Saul. I think he started um, more recently, but uh, Samuel Lino is one I do like. He started three of the last four, um, and the only one he didn't was when they were put the middle of a three game week. Yeah. Okay. Um, he is 6.4. That's the one consideration. Obviously, if he goes up to 6.5, he's no longer eligible. Um, so you're sort of hoping he doesn't do much that one week. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. That means Alaphabal's not. Yeah. Sorry. He's already 6.5, isn't he? Yeah. Sometimes um, I always think this is 6.5 and below, but maybe we should say right now it is. Yeah, it has to be below. It's like 6.4 and yes. below or 4.9 and below. Um so for strikers, it's 7.4. Uh, 6.9. Yeah. 
It's seven is the limit for strikers. Please say I did the right thing. Oh, my list is seven. We're we're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, a cu- a couple more to mention. Um, is uh, I guess people will sort of look at him just because sort of likely to play, but given the opposition, I wouldn't pick him. But I will just mention him is Lamine Yamal. Yeah. Um, just because you know, in terms of player numbers, there's a chance he's going to play. So. Exactly. I mean, Rafinha is aiming to be fit for El Clasico. Um, yeah, really encouraging one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it feels like there's a few of those. Like I saw, there's like there's this sort of sneaky hope that I think it's Pedri might be fit for it and whatever. Like, yeah, that he he should be well. Fit is very much in quotation marks. Yes. <laughs> he should be back, and he he could, would, should get minutes versus um, Athletic Bilbao this weekend. But God, if Xavi decides to like start Pedri off an injury in El Clasico, given how much football he's had to play at his age, and then has picked up all these hamstring injuries, it's ludicrous. But asking for trouble, yeah, yeah, things would not. Um, not shock me. And equally, he could get minutes against Shakhtar in the week, um, the days before, to try and build that fitness up. But yeah, it would be um, it would be silly. Um, yep. And then a couple. One that's a bit more risky. One that's you know not not necessarily as much ceiling. So Marco Royce. Yeah. Does count for this? He is obviously a bit more risky in terms of whether he will start or not, but he has done pretty well this season. Um, so he might be an option worth considering. And uh, Zaire Emery at PSG. Not yeah, necessarily yeah, the most sort of, you know, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but has played almost every game for them. And so, you know, at 5.5, you know, does he just happen to give it to Mbappe who beats five players and scores? That sort I of was thing. about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> Is he the last one to touch the ball before it goes to Mbappe who scores? Um, um, so, so yeah, with him at five point five, that's that's the other potential option I had. Yeah, um, and forwards. So obviously, a lot will depend upon the um, the fitness updates on the Newcastle strikers, yeah. because uh, it wasn't yeah game week one where people who took the double punt and went for both. I think it was that Wilson started on the bench, didn't he? Um, but still came on and scored Um, that worked out really well for people Um, the other ones I've got on the list Felipe Anderson yeah we've talked about how poor Lazio have been but he's got four assists a lot is going through him Um, that's still a possibility Um, Jao Felix I know I've said on the pods multiple times I don't actually like having Barcelona players but so much is going through him. He looks so good for Barca. Um, yeah, he just he. I think it's just him. he wants to be there. He like and he is just loving playing for Barca. He's six point nine. Again, there's the possibility that goes up after a game, but yeah. I would recommend him for other people, whether I want to have a Barca player 
in him in El Clasico because I'm perfectly fine if he does amazing and I don't have him in my gaffer team. <laughs> um, who else? Uh, so I've written down Sesco in the hope he does start for Leipzig. Yeah. Because surely there's going to come a point where he starts games, right? He's had two starts, four sub appearances. It's got, it's got to come. Yeah. Surely. Um, or you take the punt, even if he's benched, he can come on. He can come on and score. They could be, they could be, con kind of five, five nil. There's no reason that can't um, happen. Um, Marlon, yeah, for Dortmund, he's had six starts. Three goals. They are away to Frankfurt, who are the lowest scorers in Bundesliga. Their games have seen Frankfurt have got five. Uh, sorry, six goals for and five against. They've played. There've been seven games. Nothing happened in, the league. in their games. <laughs> dull, dull games. I was actually. I'm just going to read out their results this season because I was looking at them, and this is really really boring um here we go and for a team that last two years they have actually been pretty pretty exciting particularly in um in europe so one nil one 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 nil nil two nil two nil that is not a typical bundesliga results list um so yeah um, well, we've talked about the Marseille game. They're obviously a total mess. You can go back for a Bamiyang. Goal and assist in the in the game before the break. Exactly. He is starting games. Yeah. Um, Patinia, um, he has, hasn't started any of the last five games. Um, and so back to defenders, I would look at uh, Renan Lodi, you can therefore go for Paul Lopez. I think he, he still qualifies. Because um, obviously we talked about um, going triple Marseille. Was there anybody else from that list, uh, sorry, from the forwards that you'd identified? Yeah, so I've got three guys. Um, and this is not necessarily saying they have the best fixtures, at least in one case. And in one case, there's a selection risk, or two cases, there's a selection risk. Raspadori. At Napoli, he will come in for Ozzy Men. It's not necessarily the best game in game week 10 against Milan, but he is very likely to play as the striker. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's worth considering. Uh, Tati Castellanos, I mentioned at Lazio, he's 5.4, um, did start the last two. And if that is a, a, a move they've decided to make, I think it, it might actually be better for them. Um, so he could be an interesting punt. And, and I think on that, just yeah, quickly so, on that Lazio game, for anybody who likes to play fantasy games in this way, Lazio play on the Monday night. That is the last game of this game week. <laughs> so if you want to give yourself some hope yeah. till the very end of the game week that you can get even more returns, um, maybe you want to take that kind of fun punt. But please do not double up on Anderson and Castellanos. Go one <laughs> or the other, please. <laughs> Um, and then the other one that I'm it does depend on the fitness of well one very important player potentially but Eddie Nketiah yeah 
Eddie and Ketcher is 6.6, so he comfortably qualifies. Obviously, this does partially depend on Bukayo Saka's fitness. But if Eddie and Ketcher does get the start, or even a decent appearance off the bench, particularly the start against Sheffield United in game week 10, that could be a very nice option to have. Yeah, so obviously, let's say Saka is back this weekend. Do you think, because Arsenal obviously got Prem game, Champions League, and then this game, i.e. the Sheffield United game, and Jesus started for Brazil last night, do you therefore think that increases the chance Eddie could start a game, even if Saka is back fit? Because obviously he has been starting games. Yeah, and I think, if anything, the fact that, that Arsenal lost too long in the Champions League does help that. Um, because if they were going into the game, they would still want to win, obviously, and want to sort of make as quick progress through this group as possible. But the fact that they dropped those that game, so they're, they're not played 2-1-2, it's played 2-1-1, lost one, means that there will be an additional sort of prior, priority put on that that Champions League game, and it is Sevilla. So it is the, the toughest opponent they're going to yeah. have. Um, my guess is that it will still be the first choice team against Sheffield United, but if I were going to pick one where Nketiah would start and someone like Jesus in particular got maybe missed one, it would be the Sheffield United game. So that's part of my thinking with Nketiah. I might yeah. be wrong on this. We've seen Arteta with rotation. He's not a fan of it. But <laughs> it's just one where I think if if you manage to get Nketiah starting against Sheffield United, that that's really what you're looking for. Yeah. One, one proper true punt here. Um, Kane won't get rested. He doesn't get rested. Uh, you can say Matisse Tell. I am. So he's 6.6. He keeps coming off the bench. He might get... He gets 15, 10, 15 minutes. And he keeps scoring in the 91st minute of games. Could you talk yourself into... I know, I know this goes against everything I said 20 minutes ago. I'm getting nailed players. Could you talk yourself into getting him... And just being like, okay, if he gets minutes off the bench, he's got Darmstadt at home. Kane could have a hat-trick by 50 minutes and be pulled off. So maybe it's just something about me, but I literally have thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether I'll be able to bring myself to do it, but it is it is very much sort of in my consciousness. Yeah, I just think that... I mean, we've run through quite a lot of names here, and you and I spoke about this before we started recording. You're not going to look at your team and be like, that looks amazing Yeah. for Budget Booster when those four players are on the bench. Or even when you overhaul kind of this week and you're staring at it. So do you want to be, let's say, around a front three of like Aubameyang, Anderson and Jal Felix? Or do you want to talk yourself into the wild punt of Mateus Tell and be like, oh, he can get two goals off the bench. Aubameyang will be get lucky to get one. It's just an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. The more I talk about it now, the more I think it's an opportunity. But, um, but I mean, if 
if God forbid Kane got a knock or injured this weekend or in the Champions League, I would urge everybody to get Telly yeah. straight away. <laughs> um, he'd be equally as um, as essential as Jude Bellingham by that stage. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Hopefully that kind of answers your question, Rob. Whether you actually asked about budget busters specifically and needed advice on that, don't know, mate, but we've kind of given everybody else something there. Yeah, I think it will cover up off, off a couple of questions. So I'm going to cover two questions we have from John Jacobson. The first question he said is, Hi, lads, big fan of the pod. Does Angus prefer to pod with Chris over Jamie and Dan? <laughs> um, so I, I love that John asked this question. Um, so what I will say is what I love about doing the Super League pods, other than talking to Chris, is John asks far more questions for the Super League pod than the Champions League pod. So, and I, I always love answering John's questions. So uh, and, and Jamie doesn't. And uh, Jamie isn't here to slag John off, so I can say something nice about him. And, uh, he'll have that to, to cherish from this. Um, Very good answer. And I can't wait to see if Jamie does listen to this pod. <laughs> yeah. And he picks up on that one. Yeah. I'm sure he would have seen the question on Twitter. And uh, the second one, he said, serious question now. Um, I can't believe that first question wasn't serious. Um, <laughs> is there any team's fixtures on the gaffer fixture difficulty list you don't agree with for the next four? So not trying to slag gaffer's difficulty rating off. No, he's not trying to slag the gaffer's difficulty rating off. He's trying to get us to slag its exactly. difficulty rating off. Um, Very tactical. Yeah. Now, there's, there's not too much I, di I disagree with, really. Um, no. I think one thing that I would say is actually on Atletico Madrid's fixtures, Celta are sort of a grey fixture. They've mm. really struggled this season. Even away, I would actually look at that as a green fixture. And Villarreal, I'd probably have more of a grey, but they've struggled a bit as well. So I actually think Atletico's at least four-game run might actually be better than it looks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of don't want to disrespect Celta too much considering they were tuning up against Barca and Barca really struggled. Well, didn't struggle, but uh, made it a fun fun comeback. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's a fair one. Interestingly, Newcastle have Arsenal at home and that is a bold green fixture in here. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't agree with that one. Uh I think maybe at Gaffer Towers, maybe they don't like the Gooners as much, or maybe they just wanted to see if you picked up on yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> it might well be that. just there to, to troll me. Uh, the other um, one, of course, that we did mention, Leon as a light oh, red yeah. fixture. <laughs> yeah, that uh, definitely isn't for Ren in game week 12. That is not a, um, well, kind of red-pink yeah. on here. Um, yeah. But to be honest, no, no, there's nothing else that particularly stands out here. And again, it, ob it obviously is so difficult because these are so many different leagues that, I mean, if you look at this, Lon have got two really like bold green fixtures and then a lighter green in the next three. We've already spoken about them. Nothing particular kind of stands out from them that you'd want. Um but I think I would urge everybody to look at the fixture list, particularly to 
as we look ahead to moving into kind of December period, and obviously so many leagues blank, but the Prem continues and there's doubles before that. Um, I, I believe, recommend looking at the like, 17 to 20 run and just panicking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that is a good, good analysis. Um, yeah, that is, yeah. I might say really early. It's very unlikely you're going to get any pods around that time, um, around Christmas and New Year. But which, that will which be Premier League players. Should we be? <laughs> yeah, that would be a fun period for this. But yeah, in terms of the question, no, I think they've done a good job here. And again, we're we're eight weeks in. I don't think there's been many. Think of my top of my head here. Many other many teams in other leagues that have been a huge surprise so far. The surprise is they take longer to to develop and um, and come through. So, um, no, all good. All good from the Geffa guys. Yeah. Uh, FPL Frog has asked us, he said, I have Budget Buster and Triple Triple left to use in this set, so, so I'm not overhauling. In what order would you play the two boosts? So if my current budget buster eligible players are Wilson, Douay, Savage, Asignon, Raum, and Ramiro. So you've got a striker who could be injured, a midfielder who's only started two games, Savage, who we're ne- both of us are now a bit like, mm, could be could be okay, but I'd want to give it, I'd want to see these next two games, i.e. the Champions League and this weekend. Um, Asignon will good, Raum will good, Ramiro. So basically you've got three good savage could become a good and the other two it's like mm. yeah I'd, I'd look slightly further ahead for the the budget buster just to be able to add to it as well like, yeah you you want to have a, at least at least eight like i'm looking to have 11 you'd want to have i think at least eight on a on a budget buster so by that logic you want to push it a bit further forward to to play it um yeah, I think Luckily, you then some of those teams that there is the opportunity to. Um, I would probably look to like game week twelve. I know it's the last game before the boosts reset, but it's probably it probably sits not slightly nicer for some of these teams to to have budget players from. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if you look at that game week very quickly, um, I mean, I'd be shocked if Gal Felix hadn't got to seven by that stage but he's got Alaves at home so you could have like have him and Jamal um Atletico VRL at home I don't think is a terrible fixture for them no that's definitely the week Mateus Tell is going to go off from the bench against Heidenheim as we've already discussed um the um I mean Newcastle against Bournemouth. You've got Napoli potentially against Empoli. Um, you've got like you know Real Sociedad play Almeria. Like you know Ren play Leon. Um, there's there's a lot of potential there to have a to to give yourself a, a few more weeks to build towards it and still have a good budget buster at that point. Yeah, I was man. You have got Luton at home, but I'm looking to see in the amount of their players that qualify for this. It's not. You don't have enough. You need Maguire to be starting, basically. Yeah. Um, or like a Casemiro to drop in price. Um, 
yeah, you're kind of scraping the barrel there, really. There's up, there's other games. Um, yeah, like the triple Ren versus Leon is a, is a standout one. Um, in terms of your triple triple, I I would never want to play it the week after an international break. Obviously, this is this is difficult, right? Because it's so team dependent. Like, if you've got, if you've, let's say you've got Harry Kane, and then you can get to Mbappe for ten, so then you can have Kane and Mbappe. And I'm going to assume you've got Bellingham. I know they've got Barca away. Doesn't matter. I've said, yeah. I've explained how poor defensively Barca are. Real Madrid will, will score. Bellingham will return. If you could get those three, like um, PSG got Brest away, Mbappe's the, the magnet. I think you could do that quite easily. Um, or, yeah, PSG have got Montpellier at home the week after. Yeah. Bayern away to Dortmund. Madrid have got Rio at home. And I know those might not be the three players that you choose to go with. Um, yeah, you might go with, example. I mean, I know I said Las Palmas haven't conceded many goals, bizarrely, but like an Atletico Madrid Madrid player against Las Palmas, whether that's Griezmann or Morata or whatever, um, you know, you've got a couple of options. That I think Atalanta isn't the worst game from an attacking sense in particular for, for Inter. Um, so yep. that's, that's another one as well. So game week 11 could stack up quite nicely. Um Man City play Bournemouth at home. So, you know, whether that is, so you have sort of a Haaland, yeah. Bellingham and someone else. Like. Yeah, there's definitely, that is the the easier boost to yeah. navigate for sure. Um, and yeah, the we, w- we definitely wouldn't recommend playing it in 10 because you haven't got enough. And if that's the popular week, everyone plays it. You'll be looking at other well in theory you'll be looking at other people's scores that have done far better because they've got more assets so um yeah that would be the advice yeah uh ff joel has asked should i reverse my idiot idiotic bellingham to kvaratskhelia move that i did two game weeks ago yes <laughs> we can confirm <laughs> you definitely should reverse that before you do anything else yeah uh, FPL blindside. Now Ozzyman is injured. Who would be your choice to replace him? Uh, I think we've gone through quite a lot of strikers, but I guess I would start off by saying depends on price point and yeah. money in the bank in, ter- in the in that regard and who you've already got. So particularly um, Mbappe or Kane, if you're going up, if you're staying around the same value and you don't already have him, Lautaro. If you're going down, sort of more budget, then probably something like Raspadori. Or if you get word that, say, Isak is fit, then someone like him. Yeah, I think you've covered off all of the options there. Uh, FPL Commander, great you guys are back with another pod. Uh, you say that. Um, I've just looked at how long we've been recording for. You might not appreciate it at that point. <laughs> but uh, Wilson flagged and not sure if I should go to Isak, who was out injured too and will leave me with no money in the bank. Um, I think we've sort of covered it. Depends if Isak is fit. Um, 
otherwise yeah it's sort of you know you might be replacing an injured striker with an injured striker yeah um and then is it two free transfers and that is the only one i'm thinking of making a move in my squad this game week what should i do um so <laughs> let's just let's assume both newcastle strikers are out who in that price point bearing in mind there's no money would you want to get I think we've talked ourselves into probably Raspadori is. I'm just increasingly talking myself into Matisse Tell. There we go. <laughs> I mean, I scrolled past him now this time. I was like, I can't give him for another answer to a question. Um, Maybe Felipe Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's. I am. Um, I was going to say I'm confident we'll get good Newcastle team news. Eddie Howe never gives anybody anything. <laughs> he's he's so annoying that the, the one people thing we know. can guarantee is that Anthony Gordon is back available. Yeah, because he got um, rest, so we know that he's available. Yeah, because he yeah was serving his suspension, wasn't he? Um, yeah, you've got two frees. You want to use one of them, right? That's for sure. Um, yeah. Anderson, Raspadori, maybe take a punt on on Tel. Um Felix for a week. Again, those are the ones. And then you've got two frees going into next week and you can reassess if you're still happy with yourself with with it. You might find one of the Newcastle boys is fit and you go, All right, I'm gonna move back. I know that's generally not recommended in fantasy games, just getting someone out, taking someone out and getting them back in, but if you're happy with your team and your squad, then um, it could work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fantasy owners, who would you prioritise from the premium strikers? Um, I think we kind of touched upon this. So, us, well, to me, there isn't a huge amount between Kane and Mbappe. It's just your personal preference. Yeah, I think. Um, obviously, Kane is. 0.3 cheaper, which uh, that might that might get you to where you need to be. It might be an advantage, um, and I think I'm probably a bit biased because I've got Kane in my team, so I'm not looking to move him out. Um, whereas if you had a Harland and you wanted to move him, then you can you can get both right because he's a higher price point. Um, is there a standout between either of them to you? Or sort of much of a muchness. Yeah, I think it's much of a muchness. I think it's those two, um, and then it's it's almost just sort of personal preference, or you know how many from each league you've got. Even like some people have got quite a lot of Bundesliga players at this point. If that sort of makes Kane an issue for you, then it's Mbappe. You're unlikely to have the reverse issue. So um, that's, yeah. that's so it really is sort of you know there's not much between them for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an important point. Probably, probably should have mentioned that early on, as the reminder of the key to the game. Right, you can only have five players from one league. Yeah. Um, for your team, so I mean, I, I think even within the options that we talked about for budget boosted, that, that we haven't kind of been like, okay, you want to load up on triple, um, Atletico and Sociedad, for example. No. We've talked about triple Marseille, but no other real French teams with like triple Leipzig, but. There isn't 
a huge amount you got from the other teams there. So I feel it kind of sorts itself out and you should be able to um, put your team together without too many issues from that point of that point of thing. Yeah. And then FPL Calypso with the last question. Said, hi guys, love these pods. Any plans to make them a weekly thing? He says, I'm looking to move off Faradona as he is frustrating me. Best go-to midfielder. Currently on Jude, Kubo, Simons and Doku. Thanks. I can confirm there is no plans to make them weekly. A combination of work, uh, podcasting commitments and just life mean that uh, the one one thing I will sort of remind people is, uh, particularly from my point of view, it's not just the... uh, recording time of the podcast given that i do any and all sorts of editing or whatever and the research that goes into the pods uh for every hour that goes so it sort of goes into the pod there is probably at least another hour of work so um i don't want it to become like work so while i enjoy doing these uh one a week would be too much for me before even getting into the various things that are going on in Chris's life as well uh, that we have to sort of match up to do just to get a pod done um, yeah the um yeah having a five-month-year-old daughter unfortunately doesn't make that um too too viable uh unfortunately and I mean a lot of this yeah we obviously do have to do kind of a lot of research before we come on here and kind of digest the questions and do but as ever there is a lot of football on <laughs> during yes. the week yeah. which we also want to watch yeah. um so therefore pretty much most sort of tuesdays and wednesdays are out of the question because it's either champions league or we're watching championship games or there's something else on so then yeah that they become limited but i mean we both love doing this we talk to each other throughout like, yes. every every weekend about everything <laughs> we're watching anyway um but yeah, it's just the it's just the time thing. Um, I think maybe what we'll aim to do is look to do what we've done a week weeks previous, where we put out a few notes on Twitter if we know we're not going to do a pod. But generally, kind of gets the weeks go quickly, yes. <laughs> and then putting your notes out, and then obviously bearing in mind the amount of work Angus does with the <laughs> Gaffer team news. Um, that's a lot of stuff, but um, it's good to know that you love the pods. Yeah. So. Um, in terms of the actual question, I, I almost glossed over it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Kvarich uh, to someone that is not Bellingham, Kubo, Simons or Doku. Um, well, you've t- you talked about Vinicius. Yeah. I think that could be a very good option before others kind of jump on. Obviously, that does require quite a lot of money in the bank um you'd need nearly two mil to get there i'm going to assume you don't have that because it's quite difficult um liao would be the yeah. the immediate one i'm thinking um interestingly and i don't think he's we probably mentioned him at all throughout every pop we've done sane is the fourth yeah, highest scorer um in terms of midfielders in the game He's only 8.7, so he's only 0.1 more than Cavachalia. So I'm going to assume you can get there. Um, we know Nabry's got his broken arm. I don't actually know how long he's out for, but it's not like he's... Well, I say this, it's not like he's two weeks away. 
to me, if you've got a broken arm, which yeah. he had two, three, I think it was about three weeks ago now, it's not going to be that quicker um, comeback. So that obviously um, means Sane's place is even more secure. Um, so Liao, Sane, we've obviously mentioned Pulisic. I was going to say um, Bruno Fernandes. If you don't want to play the, him in the Manchester derby, the other three games are Sheffield United, Fulham and Luton. Yeah. I think they're obviously such a kind of, I guess, quite a big talking point of fantasy currently, right? Like, everyone who owns a United asset in a game is like, oh, no, but like this fixture still looks good. I'll keep yeah. them. And then you get to the end of this game on Saturday or Sunday, and like, no, United is shit. I need to get rid. This is really annoying. And Friday comes around, you're like, yeah, but the fixture looks good. I should hold for a little bit longer. Um, yeah, Bruno yeah. Fernandes is the only one I would recommend. I certainly wouldn't be recommending, say, like a Marcus Rashford, who I know is a forward in this anyway. But um, yeah, I think Bruno Fernandes potentially. And then obviously, um, we've talked about Atletico Madrid quite a bit, Antoine Griezmann. Yeah. Um, and I would, I'm always kind of going to assume people can get Bundesliga players in fine, i.e., you're not already on five of them. Um, so yeah. And again, maybe that's what I should have said, actually, coming back to Rob Pick's question. Maybe I will be determined as to who that third player I keep is based on the league that I can't get yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for that. But is that we covered every question? I think yeah, we have. I think, I think we've covered everything. Um, I, I alluded to the, the time we've recorded. It is a long podcast, a long old podcast. Um, Jamie is probably going to send me some very rude message when he sees the length of the podcast. Um, but obviously, particularly given we hadn't recorded for a while, there was a lot we ended up covering, and it's sort of we hadn't covered it for a while, big period coming up, etc. So, those are the excuses I'm throwing out now, but um, yes, hopefully, you managed to listen to all of this before the deadline. Um, yeah, before that Friday. Because uh, this week is a Friday deadline, yeah. so six o'clock. Because um, Dortmund play at yes. half seven. Um, but yeah, um, it's still been it's been a fun chat. Yes. Uh, um, we always say we'll promise to make the next one shorter, <laughs> but we can't promise that because it yeah, doesn't I, happen. I think we can promise that every podcast will be shorter than this one. Uh, how much shorter? <laughs> I'm not making any promises, but I can promise it will be shorter than this one. Um, all right, nice one. No, it's good to chat it through, and uh, good luck this game week. Yes, thank you all for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>